1: welcome to on texas football i'm joe cook sitting in for bobby burton who should be coming back to the channel soon thank you so much for for watching even in his absence and showing your support to the channel and today we are going to talk some recruiting with on three's national recruiting analyst and inside texas recruiting analyst Jerry Hamilton. Jerry, on the road, but uh, kind of a little bit closer to home at the same time today, too, it looks like.
0: Yeah, a little bit closer to home back in Houston for three days, then back to Florida, have uh, Future 50, uh, which is a big Under Armour event at the, in the next week over at IMG in Bradenton. Uh, I'm sure Jontae Cook, I, the roster comes out at the end of the week or Monday, but there will be a lot of guys, Texas targets, guys committed to Texas there, so we'll have a lot of great coverage from on three national team. We'll all be there as well as for Inside Texas.
1: Yeah, this is an event, you know, pretty well, and we won't get too deep into it, but this is where a lot of players, you know, they they end up getting their invites to that Under Armour All-American game that's always aired right around New Year's every year.
0: Yeah, it's, it, you know, the, the event's a great one because the one thing about you love about AAU basketball, Joe, is the kids get to play best on best all the time. Mm -hmm. They don't really get that opportunity in in football, uh, unless it's an Under Armour All-America game, unless it's the Adidas All-American game. Uh, So the future 50, while it's only seven on seven, maybe drill work one on ones, the kids feel like it's a best on best scenario. And going all the way back to when we when I was with ESPN and Under Armour, we used to have it the day before the Under Armour All-America game at Camping World Stadium there's something about the kids saying I'm going to go out and compete best on best. And the kids relish it and they love it. Uh, and uh, it, it'll be interesting. I think JJ Cole, a quarterback committed to Iowa state is going to be a name to watch. I'll throw that one out there. He was tremendous at elite 11 uh, per Charles power. And I think he's going to come out there and put on a show once again.
1: Yeah. Funny how Matt Campbell knows how to get some, some pretty good quarterbacks. So uh, but that'll be a little bit later next week, I believe you mentioned. But until then, you've made some picks in recent weeks using the on three recruiting prediction machine. And a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, visits and other uh, algorithm based numbers, I guess to say. But a lot of the RPM is based on expert predictions. And you've put in a handful uh, uh, for players who have yet to make a commitment. Some of yours have come true, obviously, with guys like, uh, let's see, Derek Williams, Jonte Cook, uh, but there are still some that are outstanding uh, as far as the Longhorns go. We'll start with probably, I guess he'd be the top-ranked one uh, of your outstanding uh, uh, predictions, and that's for Cedric Baxter, a, a running back on threes, number one running back out of the Orlando area, uh, who has been through Texas, uh, seen both Texas and Texas A&M. Florida, Arkansas, Alabama, all in the mix. And you gave him, a, your prediction to Texas was uh, 75% as the at recruitment heads into its final month.
0: Yeah, you know, I stand by that one right now. Look, things change in recruiting. I think the big part about the Cedric Baxter, before we get to the part about why I, I believe Texas is in a, a really good spot for him. But the most important thing right now about Cedric Baxter's recruitment is he is scheduled to announce August 10th. At Edgewater High, I believe is where it's going to be. Um, and that is a date of uh, his best friend growing up who passed away. That's his birthday. And that's the, the reason he chose August 10th. And that's an extremely important day to Cedric Baxter. Um, the big thing with his recruitment is right now he says he's not taking any more visits. So that means no Texas at the end of July. That means no chance he ends up back at A&M at the end of July or, uh, you know, a Miami or Florida recruiting event. Um, or Alabama, who has – everybody has that weekend at the end of July. As of right now, he says he's not making a visit there. And if that stays, then it's pretty obvious he knows where he's going. Um, and, and that's – you know, look, we've been doing this long enough to know that if he's done with the visit process, he's pretty much locked in and knows where he's going. And, and the reason I, I do like – continue to like Texas in the recruitment is it's the relationship with the short choice. Uh, you know, I underestimated that initially, Joe. I mean, when I was at the Edgewater – Kissimmee Osceola spring game in May, talking to two or three people, they all thought Florida was the team to beat. And I initially put in an RPM for Florida on that. But Tashard Choice has a great relationship with Seth Baxter, dating back to his time at Georgia Tech. He's been recruiting him over two years now. Uh, that was a recruiting area for uh, Tashard Choice there through the Florida Panhandle at Georgia Tech. Um, and then when you look, you know, Bijan Robinson will go have a great year and off to the NFL. Roshon Johnson's off to the NFL and Roshon Johnson will make it in the NFL in some capacity. I mean, the backup running back's the leader of the program. I've never heard of it in my life, honestly. So, but it's a fit. It's a relationship. Then you add in the Arch Manning uh, has been helping in that recruitment. And it's funny, Joe, two weeks before Arch committed, after Cedric Baxter's official visit to Texas, I was talking to Ced and, and I asked him off the record, So, where do you think Arch Manning's going? He said, oh, he's going to Texas. And that was pretty early on that he said that. And he actually told me that back in May as well, that that's where he thought. But, of course, Baxter wasn't considering Georgia. So, you, you know, you, you say, okay, he probably knows what he's talking about. But also there's other factors at play. But for Senator Baxter, I think it's relationships. I think it's opportunity. I think it's uh, Arch Manning in the class. I think the offensive scheme, I think there's a lot of things lining up for Texas right now. We'll see if anything changes heading into August 10th. Before moving
1: on from Baxter, it's very it's an interesting recruitment, at least to me, in the sense that if you go straight down Highway 71 from Austin, you're in El Campo. Yeah. And that's where the number two running back, I think, in on three's rankings, Ruben Owens, is. And he was long thought to be, you know, that's a that's a prospect who has seen. A lot of different campuses throughout his recruitment, uh, was one time committed to Texas. And so he's right there. You have Baxter, who is in the Orlando area, and they, you know, that's not even South Florida, that's the state of the Southeast, that's Central Florida. And Texas prior to seemingly prioritize Baxter and has a better chance to get him. And and, and in recent weeks, then you saw Owens go ahead and commit to, to Louisville for his second commitment. Why do you think it's worked out that they prioritized Baxter, it seems like, more so than than Owens, or, or was that the case?
0: Yeah, no, I think it was the case, and, and I think it's a great point, and here's why. And Bobby and I were talking about a couple of weeks ago with Brennan Marion, trusting his evaluations, trusting his relationships. You know, Jonah Wilson, he had offered at Pittsburgh. He gets to Texas, continues that evaluation, gets Steve Sarkeesian in front of Jonah Wilson at a basketball game. Jonah Wilson's committed to Texas. I think it's the same with choice. I think Choice had a relationship with a kid he really likes, who is obviously a big-time talent, but he trusts his evaluation, he trusts his relationship, and he trusts the fit coaching him. And I think that's exactly how all this has played out. I think it's very simple. I think Tashard Choice uh, has Cedric Baxter as his guy, has had him as his guy back when he was at Georgia Tech, Trust his evaluation, trust his relationship. And now that he's at Texas – trust the fit and in the opportunity and I think it's just as simple as that I think it's just a short choice is number one guy is Cedric Baxter that's not a knock on Ruben Owens he's probably his number two guy but Cedric Baxter is choice's number one guy and he's trusting it
1: that's who uh who Texas is looking for to pair with with Trey Wisner from from DeSoto in the class uh, moving on to the next prospect you also put in a, an RPM with a 75% confidence for then of Marlin now of Teague Darian Gallette. and he's uh, a small town prospect, you know that he at a at a school like Marlin, you always wonder is he the best prospect on any field that he steps on. That's always a bar to clear for me for guys from the two A three A level, uh, and it seems like he does that with ease. What 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 went into your uh, decision to uh, go ahead and put in a seventy five percent confidence pre- recruiting prediction machine prediction to Texas? Was it Jaree Bledsoe? Is it uh, you know, other factors like Jeff Cho. What, what has Texas looking like the, the destination at a certain point for Darian Gallette?
0: Yeah, I think it's trusting a couple of sources uh, close to the Marlin program, obviously still close to Gillette, even though he's uh, now going to be at Tegas senior year. And uh, look, one of those has always maintained he thought Texas would be the pick. Um, as long as Texas prioritized him and his family, which Texas has done, I think the other one, it was always like it'll be Texas or Texas A&M. And, he, and the other source had gone back and forth on that. But Texas has always been the constant. And, and then when Gillette came on campus in the spring, he was there by himself that day for spring practice. Um, and and we, I think we broke that news and reported that. But, look, Texas has prioritized him. The family knows it. Darian knows it. Um, and I'm not saying the others haven't prioritized him to the level of Texas. Well, I can't say in Ohio State and Alabama. They certainly have not, right? And he considered Ohio State. Right. He may be unofficial to Alabama. But when you get down to it, Texas, Texas A&M and OU, I, I've always believed he'd stay close to home. Look, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again in this business. But I've just always maintained he'll stay close to home. And I think Texas has done a great job relationship building. And, I've, and I'm just in the belief, and I just haven't heard anything different. I, I think the interesting thing will be, how many of these guys that Texas is battling for show up at A and M the last weekend in July, and can that swing things? We'll see, because um, these are real. There's some real recruiting battles with Texas A and M and Oklahoma uh, for the state of Texas this year, and right now Texas is trending with all those. But I think also when you get injured um, and, and you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, "Man, I'm going to miss my whole senior year." Um, and you kind of you kind of get freaked out a little bit. You're taken aback, and I, I totally get it. Then relationships really matter and who you trust, and I think he has that trust with Texas, and we'll see. Does he commit in mid July before he, uh, before that A and M big weekend? Does he go to the A and M's big weekend? I think that that's going to be telling on a few of these battles to how far, uh, how long they carry on in the timelines for commitments. But Gillette's a kid that look we think could, we we think could make a decision in July or definitely before his senior year.
1: yeah, I remember a couple of years ago there was a spring game where or a spring game weekend where Texas OU and a and all had it on the same weekend and with the dead period opening up at the very end of July for that one week, all the schools have these same events, and it becomes very telling, at least with certain prospects. But we'll get into that more a little bit later. Next up, you, you went lower confidence on this one, and you have a he a connection to him. Is he, Maybe it's the second best player to come from your alma mater – uh, right behind you, right, with with Braylon Shelby. Uh, you put in a 50% uh, prediction, uh, 50% confidence prediction to Texas. Does that mean that if you could, you'd put in a 50% confidence prediction to USC as well, or how do you see that shaking out? Because it looks like those are the two teams after the Friendswood edge rusher.
0: I would probably have gone 50 Texas 49 USC 1% for Texas A&M 2% for Texas A&M if he makes that because a and trying to push get getting the pushback his commitment and take that late July visit and, and that's really was my basis there but look I I'm playing that in in talking to people I think Texas answered the questions from the academic side from the student life uh side and um Braylon understanding that he can go to a big city and he can do as many things as he wants or do as little things as he wants but this is a real battle look at I mean all the kids I've talked to that Texas is recruiting that went out and visited USC he's the one that had the most positive things to say and when you talk to him in person you could kind of see it this is a real battle um not one uh USC's given up on at all not one Texas has given up on at all when both of them were either front or behind um But, look, Shelby's made two visits out to USC, one in the spring unofficial and then the official visit. And and, and after coming back from that official visit, he still had the same opinion of USC. Nothing changed. So that visit didn't wear off like it does for a lot of kids on those uh, visits that are to nice, glamorous places like in L.A. or something. The farther they get from the visit, it hasn't worn off for Shelby. So it's a a real recruiting battle. Texas has prioritized him the longest. Um, Jeff Choate, PK – um, I believe that's Brennan Marion's school. They all came by Friendswood as much as they could in the spring. Um, and he, there's no doubt that Shelby knows he's both wanted and needed at Texas. And I think the same thing for USC, and he has opportunity at both. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see. Shelby played more standing up as a junior at Friendswood. They didn't bring him off the edge quite as much as they – I know in that stuff pretty well, as you said. Um, they didn't bring him off the edge as much – as a junior as you're going to see this year. And and so it's going to be interesting when when he gets that decision, does he feel like a scheme fits better for him outside of the academics? And and he's a true student athlete now, wicked smart kid, wicked smart family. But once he gets down to the football decision, is one of the schemes going to matter the most to him? We'll see. But I think it's a close recruitment. I do think coming out of the Texas visit, Texas is trending a little more, but the farther it gets away, I think think it becomes a toss-up.
1: Was he close with Alex Grinch and some of the other former Oklahoma, now current USC coaches, and that's why that tra- that interest has translated? Because you didn't mention Oklahoma, but you did mention USC. Were it those original relationships that kind of put him onto USC's map and now has him seriously considering them?
0: You know, I never got picked that up from him. I, 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 did, I think he went out – he had never been out to the West Coast, Joe, and when he went out and saw Los Angeles for the first time – and, and, and just USC, I mean, everybody's like, well, USC is not in a great area. USC is a historical blue blood program, okay? I mean, and then you put L.A. with it and Beverly Hills and Malibu and everything, and it's an unbelievable visit for a kid. But I think it was just going out. He had never been to the West Coast before. And he came back and he was like, I absolutely loved it on the West coast. And and I took note of that because every kid loves the Oregon visit, right? Every kid loves these West coast visits, but he really had a different tone in his voice when we talked about it. So I knew USC was in the fight.
1: Yeah. That's an example. I'm glad you mentioned Oregon that you you can build all these facilities where they're going to spend most of their time as a football player there, but you can do as much or as little outside of those facilities as you want. And that's when things like Austin or LA matter. So, and obviously that's something that matters to Shelby. Uh, moving on, you got two more, uh, outstanding ones. Next one is Malik Muhammad, Dallas South Oak cliff state champion corner, formerly of IMG Academy. Um, Texas has some help in this one, uh, not just from a, a coaching perspective, but also from, I think a family perspective, uh, for the, the top corner in the state of Texas, according to the consensus rankings.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, Billy Walton, obviously, uh, his cousin is committed to Texas and, um, Who's a kid who probably has more upside than we give him credit for? It on three, but we're gonna we'll be adjusting a lot of those rankings here in the coming months. But uh, look, I, I think the big question, and I think Texas is trending with Muhammad. I think they have been. Again, look, we we talk about it. Muhammad, Anthony Hill are scheduled to be at, at Texas A and M that last weekend in July. Will they make a dual visit and show up at both? We'll we'll find out. Braylon Shelby's a possibility there. Darren Gillette's a possibility there. So a lot of these guys that we're talking about today there's more real true a and texas battles, and this is one. I, I, I know Muhammad dropped the top three of Texas, Texas A&M and Alabama. I, I really believe it comes down to the in-state schools subject to change, um, and, and these are huge recruitments. You know, we watched, Joe, last year how A&M grabbed all the momentum, right, and, and once you get that tidal wave of momentum, it's hard to stop it, and then when you win a big game on the field and beat Alabama, and and people can talk about whatever they want with AM's class, but they did a great job building momentum, especially in the Houston area last year. Right now, Texas has the momentum in a big way. And AM has to try to do something to slow this momentum down. If Malik Muhammad and Anthony Hill go to A&M and then commit to Texas before the season, man, that's like a wipeout for Texas a and State in the class. and Because then you get into JV and Toviano and – you know, and all the other kids in 23 and 24 start seeing that momentum. And and it just – it can really carry over. So, um, that's – it's just going to be interesting. I, I, Texas is trending for Muhammad. Is it done? I don't think it's done. I think the battle's ongoing. And I do think last year there was pressure on Texas that last week in July. And Bryce Anderson never made that trip to A&M and Texas that weekend. He just went to a and There's a lot of pressure on A&M to have those kids on their campus for two days and not let them go to Austin one day. And we'll see how it plays out because A&M's got to try to stop this momentum late before the season starts.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at A&M's class right now, five commitments and one of them is a a quality punter, but a punter nonetheless. So, uh, you know, that's that's definitely a place where they need to they, they need good news.
0: Yeah, and Joe, look, I mean, it's not just A&M-Texas battles, right? Harris Sewell goes to Clemson. I mean, T.J. Shanahan, they're trying to get to commit. Right now he's not ready to commit. He's still looking at other options. So, you Quarterbacks
1: know, up in the air well, for them. They're not having yeah, a good time.
0: <laughs> Jayden Chapman goes to Texas. The year after Texas signed seven offensive linemen, the best offensive line class that Longhorns have ever signed. So uh, Connor Stroh's family is A&M graduates, right? And he chooses Texas. So uh, Texas has that momentum right now. A&M's lacking the momentum. Um, and we'll see if they can maybe shift to get some back late in July.
1: All right, last outstanding RPM you have left, and uh, this one is a little bit more interesting. It's it's a three-orange team battle, it seems like, with maybe some crimson involved for uh, a Hewitt-Trustville defensive end uh, uh, Hunter Osborne, same high school as current Texas defensive end Justice Finkley, uh, one of the more highly regarded Uh, Edge rushers in this class, and it seems like it's Tennessee, Clemson, Texas, and is Alabama involved? And also
0: Auburn, that's a lot of orange right there. Yeah, Auburn's out, Alabama's definitely in. What's interesting about Osborne's recruitment is when I put in that RPM, I think I went 60%. I was actually thinking higher than that at the time, but I was like, "Mm, you know, I know he likes Clemson, I don't know what's going to happen there with the numbers, and I didn't know where the parents stood as far as who they liked. but what's interesting about Osborne to me is um, the word I got was not – the Tennessee visit didn't necessarily blow them away like a Clemson or Texas visit did. Um, so I kind of counted them out. I, that was probably early, uh, premature on my, on my part because that's the proximity to home. Uh, but what's what's been most interesting is I put in the highest RPM I can put in on a guy. It was 95% for five-star Peter Woods to Alabama. Okay, When I went through the state of Alabama a couple of months ago, locked done talked to multiple people now he's deciding tomorrow and Clemson's confident and Alabama's confident so if Peter Woods goes to Clemson does Hunter Osborne then become a take for Alabama because uh, if 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 Woods goes to Alabama I don't believe Osborne is a take for Alabama I think Osborne wants to go to Alabama if he has a spot that's what I've heard in the last 12 hours um, that he's actively recruiting Alabama so Alabama knows that he has interest in the Crimson Tide and that can always throw a monkey wrench into a recruitment, right? Because right now, without that option, it's Texas, Tennessee, Clemson, probably not. So, But that tells you he's not comfortable with either of those schools. is right. what it tells you. Because I the schools that. that have coveted him the most and recruited him the longest, and he knows he's a priority them and has been, he can't make that jump to one of those, and he's still waiting on Alabama. And that's pretty telling, so – if I have to change that RPM, I certainly will. And let by the way, to Joe, to add on, you may have been going here, but you know, I wrote about Terrence Green too on Inside Texas this morning. That's another one I put a sixty percent confidence in. But look, that one right now, I would not pick Texas. I think things have changed there. I'm not. I don't know if it's going to be Oregon, if it's going to be Michigan State. Um, Terrence has been scheduled to go to Austin the last week in July. I, right now, I think that's up in the air. I think he could decide before then. So we'll have to see.
1: Before we get to that more kind of related to that Terrence Green thing, I'm going to spring one on you. And maybe I'm helping you with a reminder here. Jalen Brown was a long uh, Texas target uh, for out of Miami Gulliver Prep. And you have one in uh, to, to Miami. Uh, is it still going to be Miami? Or is Texas even going to be a hat on the table when he decides, I believe, tomorrow?
0: Look, I can say this. Texas would accept the commitment from Jalen Brown. Do I think he's going to go there, barring the unforeseen? No. Um, I I I'm with Gary Furman who, who who just who's part of the new Miami site with an on three very locked in guy in the Miami market for many years. He picked LSU. That's kind of what we're hearing. I mean, we're hearing more LSU right now. The interesting thing with Miami is, um, you know, are they really prioritizing? And that sounds crazy for an on three five star prospect, but. Look, they have a couple other guys committed that are speed receivers that are playmaker receivers. They like Hakeem Williams. They're trying to beat A&M on him, a bigger body kid down there. Um, the one thing with Mario Cristobal, um, and Bobby point it out if he was here um, covering Miami for many years, is Cristobal is going to go after a certain type of player. This is not collecting talent. This is building a team. And it, it's a certain competitiveness that's going to fit with with Cristobal and what he thinks will bring Miami back and if those guys don't appear to have that then they'll walk away Uh, so it's still team building and not collecting talent which I'm sure we're about to talk about another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals
1: Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's
0: BlueNile.com.
1: Yeah, I wanted to get into that, and I think at least on Inside Texas, and uh, please go ahead and give us a, a chance over on Inside Texas. Uh, you can get a seven-day free trial right now. Um, we the term that has long been used on inside Texas is uh, u- utilizing the mental evaluation. That's always and I think it's it's not exactly the same thing you're saying, but it's definitely a huge part of it, yes. uh, what, and because if you're collecting talent, you could get great players, but they could not. They may be average people, uh, but if you're building a team, you're collecting talent. You're hopefully getting guys who fit in and want to wrote not to be uh, big PJ Fleck fan, but to, to row the boat in the right direction and be able to fit what the coaches are looking for. Is is that kind of a part of what you're looking for when you say collecting talent,
0: or what more does it mean to you? Yeah. So I think that is where Texas is with this class right now. Um, the easiest thing to do, Joe, is to take all these commitments and fill up a class and be at 29 commitments on September 3 when the ball's kicked, right? Uh, I think that's the worst thing to do, though. I mean, unless you get you get on a – the snowballs rolling downhill and it's everybody you want. I I think the best thing, and and look, everybody subscribes to Inside Texas, the future subscribers know that we talked about it in the 2022 class at nausea. Hold out for the best players you can. The really best players, the best fits that are the most talented players. And if not, you take your swings, and if not, you can go find somebody in the portal to get you through until the next class and you want to do that. And it's easier to do for blue blood programs. I get it, but look, it's easy to fill up a class right now if you're Texas arts manning's there, um, guys can jump in. They're fielding phone calls. Doesn't mean it's the right fit. And and, and I just don't believe you're going to see Texas just fill up a class uh, without great fits. If Texas is at 27 or 28 commitments come September 3rd, that's well, that's because they believe they have the correct fits. So and I think that may knock some of the some guys out, and and it could be a phone call, Joe. It could be look. We have six guys at this position. You're going to have to come in and compete your butt off to get on the field. And you have to understand that. And while we'd love to have you, that's where we're drawing the line in the sand. And that answer those kids give back is going to be telling to whether Texas continues to push or not. And that's what's going on right now for some of these kids that are calling Texas um, that we don't want to report on because it's not, you know, it's not really fair to the kids to throw a name out there when you don't know what's going to happen. Um, so I, I think that's the, that's the whole key is Texas is in a good spot with momentum right now. They just signed a top five class last year, and that top five class was built the last three weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. The coaching carousel was kind, right? But that's why you continue to recruit the best players because, look, that's another thing. The, the coaching carousel won't be as wild this year, but confer- conference realignment could be. Then you're going to have some coaching turnover. Um, so there's going to be some more things that happen at the end of the class, and I think the worst thing Texas could do is not have spots at the end of the class for guys they feel like are better players and better fits. And and that's just collecting talent versus building a team. And and I think that's where Sark and the staff are really dialed in. And you saw it at the end of the 2022 class. They are building a team right now with the most talented players they can.
1: Yeah, it basically is – it coincides with a lot of what Steve Sarkeesian himself said throughout the summer. Uh, He was – you know, you can't – coaches can't talk about recruits specifically. But he was basically asked a question. It's like, "Are you going to still recruit Arch Manning through the whistle?" That's kind of what it boiled down to. And he gave a long answer and said, "You know what? I'm going to recruit the best players at the best positions until I I I can't anymore, and the and the signature yeah. is in for that team." And it worked. And he pointed to the offensive line, like you did, and the last three weeks of the season or of the recruiting cycle being important for them. So yeah, not only what you've uh, mentioned there from intel but just public you know public statements back up that uh thought as well um trying to think of anything else on that subject or uh just kind of curious uh, yeah
0: I, the guy I point to with that Joe is Neto Yumeo in the last class right Kelvin Banks and Cam Williams once Cristobal left I, I think those were very much going to happen um not that Alabama and A&M didn't try on Kelvin Banks, but they certainly did. Kelvin Banks was the number one left tackle on Alabama's board in the, last, in the 2022 cycle for Texas fans out there that aren't subscribers in tech you really should be. But Neto's by guy, because that was an easy one. Texas was not did not look like they were going to get him for a long time. He was not a guy that communicated a lot. Nobody recruiting him knew where they stood with the kid. Oklahoma, Baylor, none of them knew where they were. And I think that's really why Alabama almost walked away. Uh, from that one is nobody even knew the coaches at Allen didn't know. He just was not a guy that communicated a lot about his recruitment and with the college coaches and his high school coaches. That is where you say, okay, Sarkeesian, Kyle flood, you guys, y'all are doing it the right way. Because they could have walked away and taken the B player. And then they would not have ended up getting a big time guy. It's a top hundred prospect in the country. Who I think will be a future NFL draft pick if he stays healthy. So I think that's to the point. He's the guy I pointed to in 2022. You stay in the fight. You never know what's going to happen. You don't just take the, the, the guy that's dropped down the B player at that position just so you fill your class. It doesn't work that way. And look, and let's acknowledge one thing, though, Joe, with the portal, it's really easy to do that for the top programs in Blue Bloods, because, you know, you can win in the portal. You know, if you swing and miss on a couple of guys, you can go fill a need in the portal. It, it's a hot harder to do if you're an Oklahoma State or Baylor because maybe you, you, you drop down from the portal a, a, a type of player level of player that a Texas and Alabama and, and, and those people Georgia can get out of the portal. So it's easier to do, but you still have to be able to stick to your plan when things start going bad and you start losing games on the field and don't look good defensively. It's hard to stick to your plan and they stuck to their plan and I think they're going to do it again.
1: One more thing. You mentioned this earlier about going out to future 50 and that being the, the jumping off point. we got a couple more minutes left. Can you give me two guys who Texas is in on that you really want to see and, and scout and get a better feel for not just their game, but maybe their recruitments as well or any number of guys you can think of out who are heading to uh, Bradenton, Florida?
0: Uh, the roster doesn't come out till the end of the week so we gotta we gotta we gotta put that one out there first but look I I think the wide receiver guys are, are, are going to be interesting because I, I'm very interested to see John tay cook um, assuming he does attend uh, because there was a photo and I'm sure you saw it with him and Evan Stewart working out with margin hooks this weekend and, and, and Jonte's getting big now. I mean, he he looks like a college freshman right now. Um, He's not the same wiry, strong-looking build he was about a year and a half ago. Uh, And and they let him get a little physical and drills out there. So I'm really looking forward to how he goes up against some of those talented corners, some of those bigger safeties, um, and see can you see a stronger player on contact against press? Um, That's one of the things I'm really I'm really looking for. And then you know, look, we'll, we'll see who comes out, but. And if an Anthony Hill is there, you know, how does he move in space? How is he in coverage, right? Does he – is he as he gains weight and he adds to that frame, does he still move the same way he did a a year ago or six months ago or in a spring ball? I think those are the things. I look for this. We've seen all these kids so much. We have a pretty good gauge on them. It does help in the final rankings decision-making process because we will have a 23 update the Monday following. Nice. But the biggest thing in recruiting for me, Joe, is – As you get bigger, you gain weight, and you add muscle mass, do you retain your athleticism? And some guys do, and some guys don't. And and that's kind of why this business will never be an exact science, because it's hard to pinpoint if a guy gains 15 pounds, is he going to move as quick, as fluidly? Is he still going to be as explosive? And that's the things I'm looking forward to at Future 50.
1: Maybe that's something we need to look at in Texas's 2023 O-line class, but maybe that's a conversation for another day. So I think that uh, got a good recruiting conversation in there. Once again, thank you, Jerry, for coming in and talking about your predictions. You can find all his stuff not only at On3.com, but at InsideTexas.com. Be sure to give us a try. Subscribe. Also subscribe to this YouTube channel. Bobby Burton will be back very soon. Uh, and make sure you have notifications on to see when he posts his next video and go ahead and give hey, us a by like. The way,
0: by the way, Joe, you were in a Texan shirt. The Astros are on fire. What are you doing right now? They're not on fire today, but I took this <laughs> off and
1: I, have, okay, this, you I have this waiting in the wings for when we're done here. So I went and saw one of the walk offs and we almost had Houston, Tex- Houston Astros hour with me uh, with eric and i the other day but we just got it back on the rails so (laughs) it'll be back to more uh bobby burton's on texas football thank you jerry for joining me thanks again for watching and uh we'll see you next time step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family